My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. If you don't have a goal, then you don't really know why uh, you're investing. Because investing, whether it's property, shares or whatever, it's just a vehicle. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset, and strategies. I'm Tyron Shum, and in this episode, we're back with Lloyd Edge, the director and founder of Oz Property Professionals. He'll share the kinds of strategies he's implemented to build his impressive portfolio and the kinds of processes that help excel his deals. You'll also hear about the powerful resources that have inspired him throughout his property journey. After accumulating 16 properties over the years, Lloyd Edge delves into the kind of strategy he utilizes to continue to grow his wealth. My strategies have always been about manufacturing uh, equity. So I've done that through further duplexes, uh, some, some of which have uh, had really good returns of maybe you know, two, three hundred grand uh, internet equity uplift and things like that. Um, I've also done things like little re- renovation projects, things like that, that again, you can raise the equity and also raise the rental returns. Uh, and there's also things like subdivision uh, and even things like one into three subdivisions. But it's always about uh, the goals and what you're trying to achieve uh, you know, on the end. So I sort of uh, set a mission to sort of to, to leave teaching and then to uh, to have a dream, which was sort of to set my family up for you know financial freedom and to also uh, to make sure we sort of get that, that dream home and a few things like that. So I, I always had a goal. So you need a goal. Uh, if you don't have a goal, then you don't really know why. Uh, you're investing because investing whether it's property shares or whatever it's just a vehicle uh, you need to know why you're using that vehicle and what you're trying to achieve with it so it's really having that end goal in mind and what you're trying to achieve which is really important and then understanding how each property fits into your portfolio and how that's going to get you there and that's why you know if I'm going to build a duplex for example and I anticipate to make X amount of equity on it what am I going to do with that equity depending on my serviceability I may sell uh, you know, one of the duplexes, for example, if I need to, but then I've got to think about GST and capital gains tax and things like that. So I've got to weigh that into the equation. But a lot of the time, I'll I'll keep the properties and I refinance them if serviceability allows it. But what am I going to do with the equity? So I've got to use that equity to you know purchase another property. Or it might be to pay down some debt. So uh, I've paid down some owner occupied debt in the past uh, 
two of, two of the homes I've lived in in the past, I've paid them down completely because of uh, you know, using the equity from the investment property. So it's, he's having that goal and, and being able to pay down uh, your, your debt and, and achieving what you want to achieve. As you mentioned, you, you keep most of the properties. Sometimes you might sell them and so forth like that. So I guess once you finish building these duplexes, then you would keep them, rent them out and then that would help grow your portfolio. Is that basically what you've been doing? And then the subdivisions of the land, you just sell off the land and you know use that that's correct, yeah. And the, the duplexes, uh, they're always positively geared, so the cash flow is really good on them. Uh, so they're always covering all the expenses there and then some. So they actually return money back into my pocket um, after paying all expenses. So that's the mortgage and all the outgoings. Uh, and then, yeah, puts money into my account. And that's always good for uh, serviceability because, uh, you know, the banks obviously like to see good cash flow injections into your bank. Generally, uh, lenders will only sort of take about 70% of a rental income when assessing your serviceability. So if you've got even better cash flow, like dual income properties that are positively geared, then that actually just increases your serviceability more. So that's that's kind of been one of my strategies along the way as well. Uh, yeah, another another strategies, uh, yeah, granny flats, you know, auxiliary dwellings and stuff on, on properties because they're, they're really good for cash flow as well. The successful investor talks about whether he would branch out on other kinds of developments other than these smaller developments. That's pretty much my niche. So uh, I have done some like triplexes and stuff like that. So I branched into uh, some some slightly larger things. Uh, and in terms of uh, bigger things, we've branched out a little bit like in terms of the business to be able to help people build bigger things because that's just a matter of sort of managing the process and having the right builders on board. But generally, it's, it's all about duplexes and the smaller smaller type projects uh, because that's pretty much what I know. Uh, and what I know works, and I think, uh, and as, as an investor, you, sh- you should always be investing in things that you understand and that you know that works. So the minute you start to branch into something bigger, so townhouse projects, the time frame in councils, for example, are longer, and there's also more risks. Uh, the risks are that the neighbours might uh, lodge complaints that they don't want the properties being built near them and things like that. So there's there's more risks in uh, getting approvals out. Uh, plus, there's longer time frame for council approvals and. Uh, yeah, the, the numbers potentially might be greater. You know, the feasibility might be really good, but you've got to weigh that up against whether you can do two duplexes in that same time frame and get just as good a result uh, with with generally less risk and uh, less outlay. Obviously, when you're doing townhouses, you're looking at sort of commercial um, funding and things like that. You know, duplexes will still uh, generally fit within the residential uh, funding, so it's easier to get uh, lending on them and things as well. So there's a, there's a few things like that that uh, is a reason that I sort of stick to that kind of stuff because that's what I know. He goes on to further explain the differences with smaller and larger developments as he has experienced both. Keeping in mind the risks. You can still do duplexes uh, with some lenders and be able to put uh, a 10% deposit in. Uh, I always recommend you have a bit of a buffer there in case of valuation shortfalls and stuff, but you you generally uh, can put in sort of less deposits and you're generally borrowing less because it's a smaller uh, project and things like that as well. So I think that's just a little bit safer from that perspective. He shares with us what else he has delved into in relation to his strategies and property portfolio. The other things I generally delve into are uh, maybe smaller things in, uh, you know, blue chip areas. So I might do townhouses and apartments sort of for long-term growth, but always trying to get them sort of at a really good price under market value. So I'm sort of trying to build some equity there straight away. Uh, or if I if I can do that and also be buying sort of older properties, if I'm going to uh, do that sort of thing, I want to buy sort of in a boutique kind of complex uh, that has a bit of uniqueness that might sort of hopefully outperform the averages and that I can maybe add some value to through a bit of a, a renovation. So, uh, so essentially, uh, 
you know, I'm not a big big one for apartments and I never buy uh, generally uh, off the plan. I mean, I, I think I bought one or two apartments off the plan myself, but I, I never buy them off the plan for a, for a client or anything. Um, but generally, you know, apartments and stuff are okay in some areas uh, as long as they're not in areas where there's, you know, too much supply and things like that. But you just need to be buying the, you know, the right kind of property in the right location. And they're generally... Uh, you know, for long-term growth with a, with a reason. So again, everything's done for a reason. So for example, I bought an apartment at the beginning of this year, which I'm, I'm going to hand down to uh, to my son, who's uh, 14 months old. So uh, I, Good I sort stuff of, for him. <laughs> yeah, I sort of have a joke that he's, uh, he's the youngest property investor in Australia at the moment. He owns his own apartment in Alexandria in Sydney. So like three capabilities, that's pretty, pretty good blue chip property he's got there. Edge explains the process of when he has to manage investment properties remotely and how he ensures they are being cared for properly. Obviously, that takes a lot of uh, due diligence and research, a little bit of trial and error. Uh, so, uh, you know, I've got a lot of contacts around uh, different areas and, and sometimes, you know, I've, I've used people that I, I wouldn't use again. But once you find someone who's really good, they, get, they sort of form part of your team. What's really important though is having a property manager that you actually trust as well uh, for their advice because if you're, you know, I'm based in Sydney and uh, I've got a property in Brisbane and stuff. Now, I go to Brisbane a lot, uh, not at the moment because the borders are closed, but when I do go to, to Brisbane, uh, you know, I'll go and inspect the, the properties and whatever, but having someone on the ground there who can go and um, check the work, you know, send me photos, but also uh, alert me if they think it's up to scratch or not up to scratch and, and that kind of stuff. So it's about actually leveraging of people that you can you can trust and things like that. Uh, and in, in most of those areas, I've also got, you know, pre- professionals uh, that I work with, either colleagues of mine uh, in, in business or, or other fellow property investors who I can rely on for that kind of uh, assistance. So it's a matter of, again, just building up your contacts. Uh, but you know, it's important to be a borderless investor because you don't want to just be investing, you know, near home just just because it's near home. Uh, because it's really important that you, uh, you know, you invest in the best areas uh, and that are right for your strategy. So that that's really important. So you don't, don't want to just invest near home just because you want to, you know, check on the property and all that kind of thing that some people talk about. He discusses how, as part of his investing strategy, is to also have properties in different markets. Looking at the uh, the market cycle, so what's happening, you know, it's, it's really important to sort of look at uh, when the market's starting to rise uh, and sort of be getting into a rising market there rather than, uh, you know, in a falling market or certainly not at the top of the market because if you're at the top of the market, then you're, you know, end up going to sort of lose a bit of equity straight away. So that's kind of important. I also tell people not to try to time the market, but it's more important to have time in the market. Uh, so, you know, some people are trying to, you know, they like to wait, sit on the sidelines, waiting to see when the bottom of the market comes. Uh, but it's really, it's impossible to tell when the bottom of the market is uh, because by the time you know when that's happened, it's, it's already happened. So that's not good to you either. The other reason to diversify, uh, there's other reasons. And, uh, you know, one of them is, for example, for land tax. So you don't want to have all your properties in the one location. Uh, it's good to diversify, uh, you know, across different different states for that reason. And also, the different markets do operate uh, differently. So, you know, if we do have a, a time where the markets in Sydney or Melbourne, you know, start to, you know, go down, you know, you might have uh, markets in Brisbane or Adelaide that are doing quite well. Or as we've seen a few years ago, Hobart did quite well for a bit. So just diversifying means that you, um, you might have one property not doing so well, but somewhere else, you'll have a property that is going quite well. Edge goes on to share his biggest why for doing what he does as a buyer's agent as well as helping investors. So essentially, uh, really what I do uh, and why I do what I do is essentially to help people trying to achieve uh, what I've done. And that's not saying to achieve you know, specifically what I've done but trying to achieve their own goals. So financial freedom uh, and lifestyle choices mean different things to different people. 
Uh, but I'm a real advocate of you know, helping people to understand that having a nine to five job and just having one form of income is not real security, that you really need to invest. Uh, and that even if you love your job, you need to have other forms of income. Uh, and if something does happen to your job, as we've actually seen with some people during COVID-19, that uh, you should have other forms of uh, you know, income coming in that, you know, that you're not going to be worried about. So that, that's really important uh, as well. From a business perspective, uh, I like to sort of think on a, on a larger scale. So there's a, there's a, a big vision I have for uh, what we do at Oz Property Professionals. And it's, uh, it's not just about the sort of the day-to-day grind of the business, but it's, it's what we can actually do to help um, you know, the, the greater community. So at the moment, for example, uh, we, uh, you know, donate to a lot of charities. You know, for example, the, the Cancer Council ongoing. Uh, in January and February, we donated 20% of our revenue to uh, the bushfire appeal uh, and that kind of stuff. Uh, but one of my larger uh, ambitions is to be able to uh, help uh, third world countries like Nepal and Africa with either some education or maybe building some homes over there and stuff like that. So, so for me, having the freedom to do that, so property uh, has sort of given me the financial freedom and the life's the lifestyle freedom, the time to be able to do things like that. And then the, the business itself, sort of sort of growing the business allows us to be able to then contribute uh, to the costs associated with doing things like that on a, on a larger scale. But at the same time, we're also helping people, you know, achieve their goals and, and, and achieve their, their visions. Um, and for me, it's not about a transactional purchase. So it's not about people come to us and they buy one property. We really set a strategy. We look at what they want to do over the long term 10, 15 years, and we map out a roadmap so they can actually see how they can get to where they are now to where they want to uh, get to, basically. Coming up after the break, we hear about the kinds of resources and mentors that have inspired Edge along his journey. I guess a lot of the education and stuff uh, and a lot of the inspiration actually came from like reading books and stuff like that. So, uh, for example, you know, reading the Rich Dad, Poor Dad series, uh, so Robert Kiyosaki and... The best advice he has ever received. I think the uh, the best advice, uh, and I can't, I can't remember exactly who gave me this advice, but this is the best advice I would give to someone else, is treat others the way you want to be treated yourself. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. The director and founder shares why he chose his particular path to start a business. I guess one of the things is that as a teacher and as a property investor, uh, this actually combines both those passions because what I'm doing is I'm educating people on property really at the moment. So, uh, so basically combining teaching and, and property, and it really comes down to helping people. So, uh, and, and that seemed like the you know the, the logic, uh, the logical you know, thing for me to do. But it's a, it's a bit of a, a bit of an ongoing joke between myself and my wife because uh, many years ago, before I had my business going, I actually was. Um, uh, well, actually, before even before that, I was uh, talking a lot about property at home and all that kind of stuff. And my wife um, said to me one day, uh, "You should just start a blog and put it out there, so I don't have to keep listening to you talk about property all the time." So I did. I, I started writing blogs, and it was just a free blog platform. I was just putting it out there, uh, and for people to uh, to read and and stuff like that. So that was kind of the start. Uh, and then after that, uh, that's sort of when I started to get uh, you know my real estate qualifications and stuff like that, and. Uh, and, and started to sort of get enthusiastic about actually wanting to, to help people out. And I think it initially started, uh, getting back to your question, is because people were coming to me for some advice because they were, they were seeing some of my success 
uh, in my own portfolio. Uh, and then they're seeing some of my blogs and they wanted some advice. And I guess at the time I couldn't really give proper advice because I wasn't qualified as such in property. Uh, but one thing led to, to the other. So I then went and got qualified and then I uh, yeah, started the buyer's agency to basically be able to help people because I was already getting people who actually wanted my help essentially. So, so when I started off, I didn't actually have to start the business and then start marketing for clients. I kind of already had a, a line of clients waiting to, you know, waiting for my help essentially. So that's kind of how I started. That's fantastic. And the blog, is it still available for people to read online? That particular blog's not, but I do have a blog on my website though. So it's a continuation. So we do have regular blogs that we upload um, to our website. Uh, so there's a blog, blog page on that, absolutely. Edge shares the kinds of resources that have helped him grow his portfolio over the years. I guess a lot of the education and stuff uh, and a lot of the inspiration actually came from like reading books and stuff like that. So, uh, for example, you know, reading the Rich Dad, Poor Dad series, uh, so Robert Kiyosaki and Cashflow Codrant, those sort of books. Um, and, you know, even Stephen Knight's Not to 130 Properties in Three and a Half Years um, was sort of a book that sort of inspired me. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I went to, um, you know, various seminars and, uh, and and stuff like that to sort of learn about property and of course some some seminars are better than others so it's about sort of getting out there and making sure you you're just taking what, what you can you don't want to go to a seminar and then be sold something on the night like some some seminars do so it's just a matter of getting out there and learning as much as possible but even now i still listen to uh you know to podcasts uh you know, all the time you know i listen to the the guests that you got that you have on on you know property investory for example but i, I listen to um you know even uh, you know, American podcasts of you know, people that have inspired me, people like Earl Nightingale, for example, you know, people like that. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I just listen to that, that really inspires me. That's not always directly associated with property itself, but it's associated with how you can actually uh, better yourself and, and achieve your, your goals. Uh, and that's what it really comes down to. And that's why I always refer to as property being the vehicle uh, because uh, it's really about what, you, what you're trying to achieve at, at the end of the day, not so much about that property because at the end of the day, you can read enough of that property uh, and, and learn the fundamentals about that and use that as a vehicle to get there. But you really want to know where you're going. Otherwise, it can be a lonely road. But if you know where you're going then and keep yourself accountable, then it becomes much easier to, to see that goalpost at the end. And that's the interesting thing is that um, investing not just only in property but in all sorts of different class assets and so forth is, is about a mental pers- personal development you know, to actually in- improve on that to be able to do it because at the end of the day, it's what's between your two ears that actually helps you do that. Most of it, I think 80% is, is mental um, and also just yeah, how you manage the, all those things between your head but the 20% is the execution and I think if you continue to spend time doing personal development and growing yourself and taking on as many resources as you can to grow and implement then you know, obviously you'll be quite successful. Um, and, and following a great strategy too. Uh, that's absolutely right. And it, it is about belief, but it's about taking action. So a lot of there's a lot of people that talk, a lot of people that maybe read and stuff like that, but you've got to take that action. Uh, there's I, I see a lot of people, even some of my own clients who are, are hesitant to take action with something because they, they're always thinking there's a better deal or they're not quite ready yet. You can always talk yourself out of doing something. But just remember, 95% of the population do the same thing as everyone else and they get the same result as everyone else. You want to be 5% of the population that actually get out there and do something different uh, and, you know, and, and create, create a real path for yourself. Uh, and, and that's what's really important. But you've you got you to have belief and you've got to take action. And sure, there might be a few risks, but calculated risks. But, you, you, but my, you know, my advice is just get out there and, t- and take some action. He goes on to share some other resources that have inspired him. Um, I really like Thinking Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, um, which I, I'm sure a lot of your listeners have probably read. 
so uh, and and amongst the uh, the others that I've, I've already mentioned. Um, but you know, look, there's there's a lot of good property podcasts out there uh, that always have a lot of good guests uh, on there. And uh, yeah, so I think and I think you know, yeah, people just should have immersed themselves around with um, you know, with with everything's out there essentially. Uh, and uh, and if you just sort of look up your know, property podcasts, you'll you'll see who who they recommend as the top ten property podcast or or that kind of stuff. I probably don't need to list them all now or whatever, but. Uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of good content out there, and um and I and I listen to them myself, and some of them are run by like fellow investors or fellow buyers agents and stuff, and and I really respect uh you know what what, what those uh, those people do and stuff as well. So I, I listen to like people you know my, my colleagues and their, the podcasts that they run because I think that you can and particularly the guests they have on you can always learn from that. Um, I love seeing uh the success of investors, whether it's people's clients or whether it's people themselves i really love hearing about the success people are having uh and uh you know and i think that can be quite inspiring even for me even though i've had a degree of success i like sort of seeing uh, what other people are doing and just and then i think to myself oh yeah actually that guy's doing pretty well i'd like to um you know maybe i should be doing better or something like that so there's always stuff we can um improve upon and do better and that's the reason why i created this podcast is to actually capture all of those successes and and i guess share them and, and for me you know it's also partially a selfish reason because i wanted to learn from all the successes because there's so many investors out there and and you think wow you know there's so many people in the population but only like a small percentage like five percent or or even less than that actually are property investors that have been successful and you wonder why that's right i mean 90 percent of uh australian property investors don't even get to their second property uh, so, uh, because they, you know they they either had the, the wrong advice, they buy the wrong property, got the wrong financial structure, and all sorts of things. I mean, I've started my own um, property podcast um, for that same reason now that, that I and that ties in with the uh, the book I wrote. So it's kind of um, along the same title, positively geared. But it's the same thing. I um, you know I'm interviewing people there and looking forward to to having guests on and stuff like that. So it's the same sort of thing. You know, I love. Uh, I think people just love listening to people chat and and hearing about people's experiences, and and you know that's what it's all about. Edge goes on to reveal the best advice he has ever received throughout his journey. I think the uh, the best advice, uh, and I can't I can't remember exactly who gave me this advice, but this is the best advice I would give to someone else: is treat others the way you want to be treated yourself. Um, so uh, at the end of the day, uh, I think that's uh, that's the the most important thing uh, above all else, uh, because I think in in terms of you know my business and, and what I do, uh, it's really about uh, it's really about helping people. And, and you want to make sure that, uh, you know, you're, you're giving the right sort of advice to people. You know, for, as an example for me, I would never suggest a, a property to a client that I wouldn't actually add to my own portfolio. So that's one of the stress tests that I do for myself. You know, would I, I buy it myself? If not, I wouldn't suggest it to a client because, you're, you know, you're, you're helping people with their, their greatest wealth creation assets. So you really do need to treat people the way that you'd need to be treated yourself. And I think if we all live by that mantra, then we'd be a happy world. This is his biggest personal habit that he thinks helped him achieve this level of success. I like to read the, the newspaper in the morning uh, and over a cup of coffee and just relax. You're talking about the physical newspaper or the iPad newspaper? <laughs> no, generally the physical newspaper if I'm sitting in a coffee shop. Uh, and, uh, and this is usually, you know, maybe I've taken dog for a run as well because I think it's important to keep up your fitness and stuff like that so so getting up and, and quite often with busy days it's hard to to fit in with uh you know getting getting fit and go to the gym and stuff like that so you need to kind of schedule that in so i think that's really important just to uh just to relax over a coffee a coffee uh just to see what's uh what's happening in the news for the day and, and stuff like that uh and uh yeah that's a great great way to great way to start the day and sort of get you know relaxed frame of mind um before you uh you know before you get on and and i also uh 
you know, for, for me, uh, it's important to sort of balance balance your time a bit. So, uh, you know, I get a lot of emails from a lot of people, but I also try to make sure that, you know, I don't have my weekends all swamped with checking emails because that can be, uh, I'm pretty, you know, I make sure that I don't do that. I Maybe it's a Sunday night, I'll be checking emails in preparation for Monday to see what important tasks I've got to do. But I, I don't spend a whole week working and then decide I'm going to start checking emails all day Saturday and all day Sunday. So you just need to have that bit of life balance and make sure that you're um, giving time for your family and stuff. If he had some time to reflect on his past self 10 years ago, we find out what he would have said to himself. Probably get a little bit more education before rushing into a couple of those properties. Uh, so I think that's probably, I probably bought a, a couple of properties that haven't performed so well uh, and I was really keen at the time and I, I, I think really, you know, getting more education, getting more and, and really getting more set on strategy, having a, having a roadmap and maybe meeting, maybe having a, seeking out a mentor that would actually put a roadmap in place for me because that's what I really didn't have. I sort of set my own strategy and, and built my own foundation from there but I think, you know, to, it probably even going back more than 10 years, but if we're going back 12 to 15 years, I probably would have uh, liked to have had someone just put a proper roadmap in place to say this is how you can, uh, you know, what you should be buying now, how you can achieve your, your wealth. But looking back on it, I think I've done okay. So, but it'd be interesting to see if someone had um, done that to me then, uh, you know, whether it would have changed my path, whether I would have um, not bought, you know, a couple of properties and maybe bought something else. He looks forward to the future where he shares what is happening for him in the upcoming five years. I think just uh, you know, growing the business, being able to help more people uh, and I actually think just uh, you know, just watching my family grow, I think, and, and, and that kind of stuff. So, I, you know, I've achieved a, a lot of goals there. I sort of want to keep things more, more, you know, more along the same track and just been able to sort of help people. So, uh, you know, I'm not, I don't have a number in terms of property so you know i don't think you're going to interview me in five years time and suddenly you're going to find out i've got 50 properties or something like that because i don't think it's not about that i could still have a similar amount of properties in five years time they might be slightly different if i sell, sell some and do develop, development somewhere else and stuff like that so as i said it's all about what they do for you not the amount of properties uh so and i know i, you know, I may get into some you know some bigger developments as we spoke about before but but it's really about yeah yeah growing my business really be able to help more people and things like that uh, and uh, and just you know, spending time with my family. Well, last question for you is how much of your success is due to your skill, intelligence and hard work and how much of it is luck? Uh, to be honest, um, I don't think that much of it is, is luck to be honest uh, and I wouldn't say I've got lots of skill, intelligence or anything like that. I was going to say you're very skilled especially if you're a music teacher. It's, it takes coordination to be able to play an instrument, especially play it well too. What I will say though is I, um, I do have good work ethic. Uh, when, I was, uh, when I was a teacher, uh, I was basically living and breathing property and teaching and I was actually uh, – and I actually did my real estate license and stuff while I was still a teacher uh, but I, I actually did that online at night and I was, I was studying and, and I had a three-year diploma that I did in three months. So I actually sat up all night. I was literally getting about two hours sleep at night. I was teaching all day. I'd get home from school about four o'clock in the afternoon and I'd sit up until about three o'clock the next morning uh, just doing doing studying and stuff like that. And then I'd uh, go back to school at like six o'clock in the morning uh, for the next day's work. So that's a side of the work ethic there, uh, which I probably had similar uh, when I was also a musician when I used to practice and stuff. Uh, but yeah, so so hard work um, definitely, and and even um, you know when I was when I was investing property and teaching, I was always you know working on my portfolio at night and uh, even maybe at lunch times or after school and stuff like that. Uh, so for me, uh, you know, I'm not one to sit down 
put the legs up and relax. I'm always trying to do things. Nowadays, I tend to do a little bit more relaxing because I like to play with my son and stuff like that. But but essentially, uh, yeah, it, it is about uh, hard work. It's not so much about intelligence. I think you can learn intelligence. I think I'm, more, I think I'm smarter now than I used to be uh, and you can learn that. But you learn that through hard work and you learn that through um, who you're around. And I always say if you're in the, uh, you know, if you're the smartest person in the room, then you're in the wrong room and you should go to another room. You know, so, uh, so that's, I think that's quite important. Thank you to Lloyd Edge, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. If you want to hear more about his journey, then visit our website at propertyinvestory.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tapiphone.